Welcome to Authentic Moments with Kiva. Listen in as we engage in conversations about a range of topics surrounding diversity, equity, and inclusion. These conversations are meant to educate, inform, and feed curious minds, all part of how Cone Health is right here with you. Today, I am so excited to be joined by Dr. Dale Opordudu, a colleague of mine introduced me to you in an email about a documentary that you were going to be um, launching in February. So I reached out to you and you were so gracious and said that after that documentary was done and you had time to kind of unwind a little bit, you would be more than happy to, um, to let us interview you. So thank you for taking the time to do that. One of the things that I want to talk to you about, knowing that you are a pulmonary and critical care physician at the VA Medical Center, um, and the fact that you are the founder of Black Men in White Coats, I really want to dig into that. I really want to know more about how that came to be, how you just saw an issue and said, we got to do something about this and just, um, and got into action. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about that. So um, first though, before we get started, I kind of want to just help people get to know you a little bit better. So um, if you can just tell me a little bit about where you grew up, how you became interested into the medical field, um, number one, and um, anything else you just want to tell us about yourself. Yeah, definitely. First of all, Kiva, thanks for having me. You know, so um... Uh, an honor, a pleasure, and uh, I'm happy that you like the film. So that makes gets me you know, really excited. So thank you, first of all, for for having me on here. So yeah, I grew up um, outside of Houston, Texas, um, a place called League City, Texas, uh, right literally on the outskirts of Houston. I, you know, had a great upbringing, two parent household, uh, three wonderful elder siblings. So I was a baby in the family, and, and you know, honestly, you know, growing up, I, I have I have no complaints growing up. Right, everybody everybody's got their challenges, but overall, I have, I have no no complaints growing up. Um, you know, as it pertains to medicine, why why I chose the field of medicine? For me, while there were no physicians in my you know direct immediate family here, I did have uncles and aunts and such who were physicians. But you know, in my direct family, no immediate physicians. As a child, my father was in healthcare in a sense. He has he had a PhD, so he worked at an academic center. So he was kind of always exposed. We were kind of always indirectly exposed to it through him because he's you know he does clinical stuff with his PhD. Um, but the big thing for me that kind of really pushed me and drove me towards the field of medicine was um, my older brother. My older brother, Daniel, he ended up going into medicine, and, and that's what drove me towards the career. Really. Okay. So, as we talk about um, mentoring, then he was really a mentor to you in a way, right? Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. And not, not, just, not just in medicine, but just, you know, in life. And not was, is. Still, still, today. still today. Uh, yep. Exactly. Yep. Exactly. That's awesome. So, um, all right. So when you saw the data or when you started to pay closer attention to the data, um, what was it that sparked you to say, I got to do something about this. I cannot sit on this. I have to take action. Yeah, honestly, a lot of it came was me kind of reflecting back on my own life. Um, you know, I tell the story about when I was in college, I, I flew, I, it's funny, I had the story wrong for years. My sister corrected me, she reminded me what it really was. But um, I flew from St. Louis to Chicago. I was going to my cousin's wedding 
And while I was on that flight, there was a woman who sat next to me on the plane. You know, I was in college in the early 2000s or late mid 2000s, I guess. You know, I was wearing my big baggy sweatpants, big baggy hoodie. I still wear that baggy hoodie to this day. And um, you know, a woman comes on a plane and she just looks at me and for you know the whole flight she's criticizing me, saying, "Why do you dress like that? You know, do you think you're cool? Why do you talk like that? Yo, doggy, doggy." Uh, you know. And then I, I was studying my chemistry book, and she asked. And I remember it's my chemistry book because the question she asked, she said, what are you studying? You studying to be a drug dealer, right? This is a woman that I never met before. Um, but because the way I looked, she had assumptions about me. And so it's, it's, it's those lived experiences that made me mm -hmm. want to do something for the, for the perception of the black male. Oh, wow. Wow. Well, um, so tell me about black men in white coats. Tell me about the organization and what you all do and, um, the mission and, and all of that. Yeah, you know, at the end of the day, what we do is try to empower people. Um, that, that's what we do at the end of the day. And um, while it's Black men and White Coast, obviously we have a, a focus on trying to get more Black men into the field of medicine. Obviously, you know, that's, that's, that's kind of the core of what we do based on the data you mentioned that we started. But really, you know, we focus on trying to help people get on pathways for professional success, period. Um, mm -hmm. Primarily focusing on Black men. Um, we do it in a variety of ways. One of the bigger ways that we do it is via uh, media vehicles, right? So I have a podcast, Black Men and White Coast, it's a documentary, which has just been absolutely huge. We thought it was going to be good, but it's has to be really, really good, right? Um, so that was mm -hmm. that was a huge deal for us there. Um, I write books, you know, things of that sort. So we try to use different media platforms, different um, mechanisms of quote-unquote entertainment to reach people and let them know about the problem. But to you know, perhaps more importantly, to equip them to do something about that problem. Oh, yes. And so is it based in Texas? Is that where it's based? Yeah, yeah. Okay. So we're based in Texas. I'm, I'm in Dallas, but of course, you know, we do things across the country. Who can be a mentor in the program? Anybody. Yeah. Any, you know, um, so black men and white coats is technically separate from my um, from diverse medicine. Diverse medicine, I have two diverse medicines in black men and white coats. But okay. the first thing we ever started was diverse medicine incorporated. Um, I started that in 2011, and that was started as a web-based mental organization. That was the whole idea behind it. Um, you know, now we're in this COVID era where everybody's doing Zoom and virtual and stuff like this. Mm -hmm. But 10 years ago, 10 years ago, we were heavy on this idea, like, hey, everybody needs to be doing virtual mentoring. So we started this, you know, 10 years ago. Uh, and it was important for us because, to your exact question, you know, we wanted to make sure that no matter where you were in the country, you could find a mentor. So mm -hmm. that that's kind of been our stance from the you know from the get go. So the documentary, I do want to talk about that because I'm telling you, I it was I I cried, I mm -hmm. was inspired, I was just intrigued by by it. So I really want to thank you again for for doing that. So um, one of the things that kept coming up in that documentary was you cannot be what you cannot see. How do you overcome that, right? Because it'll take time for more of us to get into the medical field and to help to increase that 2%. But in the meantime, what, what advice would you give to someone that that really is a barrier? They cannot, they just cannot be what they cannot see. Yeah, it's fascinating. I struggle with that statement, actually. You know, my nine-year-old boy's like, Daddy, do you really believe that? I'm like, oh, no, technically, I don't, right? Because you technically, if you're being literal, you can't do what you can't see. But, um, you know, what I try to tell people is 
even though you don't see it with your eyes here in the physical, you can still see it here, right? So you can still visualize it. You can still see it in your mind. Um, and, and that's something that, you know, right now after this film, because it's just a question, you know, I've done so many of these kind of talks and that question always comes up, right? Yeah. And I don't want to leave people, I don't want to leave kids down this pathway saying, oh, I never saw anything like it, so I can't do so it. Because, yeah, to your exact point, there's not enough of us out there, so then, and we're going to be stuck in this thing like, oh, I can't see it, can't see it, can't see it. I want kids to realize like, hey, get creative, right? Mm -hmm. Like uh, not just kids, but parents, hey, get creative for your kids. Teachers, get creative for the kids because um, there's not enough out there. So all of them are going to see a Dr. Dale or a Dr. You know, Daniel, whoever, right? They're not going to see because mm -hmm. there's not enough out there. So you've got to get creative and think about it. And on our end, you know, we take up the responsibility of trying to help them see it. So, you know, we work on getting mentors, we work on getting people in the communities, getting that exposure, the videos, things of that sort. So we do our best to try to make sure they see it. But for those ones that can't see it, we need parents, family members, teachers, community members, pastors, barbers, everybody. Mm -hmm. We need them to help these kids visualize something great. Right, yeah, it, it's gonna take everybody. Everybody's gonna have to be on board to, to help us with this. I say it's a crisis, but um, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, so um, another thing that I wanted to talk to you about, or just get um, your advice on. So we are starting a mentoring program at CoHealth, and it's a mentoring program for men of color. And we're not just focusing on, um, these are employees that already work for CoHealth. And so we know that mentoring is extremely important and um, it's, it's our job as an employer to develop our workforce. So we're starting um, with phase one to be men of color because we looked at the numbers and we know that um, we need better representation, right? In, in the men of color, but we also need to develop the men of color that we have. And so um, representation is huge, and you're on that plight as well with trying to bring more people into the schools. But talk to me a little bit about inclusion and belonging, because we think that we know that representation is, is a fact, right? You can see it, you, can, you know what you have, but then the inclusion and the belonging part becomes more work, and it's critical and crucial to the success of the people of color. I know you're working with schools to hopefully help them to recruit more minorities into their um, medical schools. What about um, once they're there? How, how are you guiding or talking or what are you hearing about how to help them feel a part? Yeah, I mean, that's huge. And we, you know, we kind of hit on that in the film a little bit. So I'm talking about retention, you know, recruitment yeah. and retention. Um, it's a complex question. There's so much that actually that goes into that. And, of, you know, the bottom line of a lot of it comes down to the culture. What is the culture like? Um, and the culture thing is hugely complex. But, you know, what I can say, I think the probably the best way to answer that question is we have to find ways to be intentional. Right, so so we have to be proactive. We have to be intentional. We can't wait till these students are having, if they have. I'm not saying they're gonna have problems, but you know, certainly some students will have problems. We can't wait for the problems to kick in. We have to be proactive. Go out there, be intentional. Have programs set up that are welcoming programs. Be intentional and yeah, and then just having them weave it into everything they're doing. You know, let's talk a little bit more about mentoring because you mentioned that your brother 
was a is a mentor. What about when you were in medical school too? I mean, of course, he's he's going to be a mentor for life. But what? Who were some other mentors that you had um, as you were going through your journey? Yeah, sure. Outside of my family, I would say my first great mentor was Dr. Ellis Ingram. Um, Dr. Ellis Ingram is a pathologist at the University of Missouri School of Medicine, which is where I, I was at Mizzou, is what we call it, Mizzou for undergrad and med school. And Dr. Ellis Ingram, black man, pathologist, really looked out for us. And it's not one of the, it's not something like he was a mentor. No, like he was there for us. He would, you know, he would he would look out for us. So it was him. And not only not only did he um, mentor us, he showed us how to mentor. So that's why you see black men and white coats. That's why you see diverse medicine. It's because as a from an undergrad, right? Mm -hmm. I was engaged with his programs from uh, from a very young age. So as we think about um, everybody being on board and everybody helping with the, the crisis. Um, what do you think, what role do you think physicians play? And not just physicians of color, all physicians, like what, what role do you think they can play in, in helping us? Yeah, so, you know, I used to tell people, and this might sound funny, but, but um, follow my logic here. I used to tell people before the most important thing they could do to support black men and white clothes was to mentor somebody. Now what I'm telling them, at least right now for this phase of my, you know, life, this couple yeah. of months, whatever, is to share our documentary. Um, okay. and, and the reason I say that's a role physician could play because for us, the documentary is not just a film, it's a resource. Um, mm -hmm. So in a sense, by saying share the documentary or whatever, whatever resource, it's help bring awareness to this problem. So when you think about um, the young men that you come in contact with, because I think everybody knows Trip now, right? Through the documentary. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> everybody yeah. fell in love with him, at least I did. But um, so I know this, you talked about you keep in touch with some of the people, you know, that you mentor. How, how does that work? Like with your schedule and with everything that you have going on, how do you, you have to be intentional, of course, but tell me a little bit more about that and how often are you connecting with the youth? I think real mentoring to be, I think to be a good mentor, you know, most people probably can't have more than two or three mentees yeah. that you're really mentoring. Um, but anyway, so to answer, you know, kind of your question, the way most, the way a lot of people would define mentoring. Um, so we do one thing we do with Black Men and White Coast is we do quarterly mentoring lunches. So once okay. a quarter, we get on a, on a big virtual call. A bunch of kids hop on the call. You got parents on there, doctors, also a lot of people on this call. Um, and we break up into small groups so the kids get to sit there and eat, chat with the doctors and stuff like this mm -hmm. virtual. So you eat, eat at their house, chat with the doctors. So that's really cool. And then, you know, for pre-meds, we do something. We have a coaching program every Monday night. We're coaching mm -hmm. pre-meds. So, you know, we do tons of stuff with pre-meds on a regular basis. And then we do clinical cases with the kids and stuff. We do quarterly clinical cases also with the kids. Oh, wow. Well. So, that's good. Yeah. That's that's some really great exposure that a lot of them probably wouldn't definitely wouldn't have if they were not in the program. So um, so I have a couple of questions that I call my lightning rod questions, and right. here again it's just an opportunity to to get to know you a little bit better. So who would you say is your personal hero? Um, I'm a person of faith, so it's always for me it's always to be Jesus. Um, okay. You know, deep in my faith, I try to model everything I do from you know. From that perspective, um, outside of that, because that might be an unfair answer, because nobody can attain that level. Um, it has to be my my dad, right? Uh, dad, of course, probably hardest working man that I know. So, 
I try to emulate him and his work ethics. So. All right. So if you had not become a doctor, what would you, what would you have become? Um, entrepreneur, which I, I'm entrepreneur in anyways, yeah, but yeah. definitely mm -hmm. it would have been, it would have been business entrepreneurship. What types of books do you like to read or what's your favorite book? And I, I think favorite is a hard thing to say for a book because we like so much, but what would be, if you had to choose one, what would be one of your favorite books? My number one is not going to be fair because my number one is going to be the Bible, but my number two okay. is, is um, Up From Slavery by Booker T. Washington. So you have kids, right? How many kids do you have? Three. I've got three, beautiful right. pictures right in front of me right here. One, two, three. Okay. <laughs> so um, do you want them to be doctors? No, honestly, the thing that I tell them, I, I want them to do whatever they want. So we're preparing them to do whatever they want. I let them know medicine's a good field if you want to do it. And my wife is a doctor also. But okay. honestly, when I talk to my kids about what they should be, I say, I don't care what you do, but you need to own something. I tell them it's about ownership. So I, I focus on telling them they need to own something. As you were growing up and you were seeing doctors on television, did you have a favorite doctor that was represented on TV? Man, I mean, back then for us, really, it was just Cosby, I think. Yeah. Um, I mean, there were other ones, but, you know, I mean, the main one was Cosby. So, I mean, between that and the different world, those were the shows we watched. Yeah, you know, so the that was everything. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Yeah, and I'll just say, you know, I talk about black men and white coats and all the stuff like that, but I was want to make sure I acknowledge my wife. My wife is my beautiful black woman in a white coat who is, um, you know, the rock that does so much for us that... The reason black men and white clothes can happen is because, you know, so much stuff my wife does behind the scenes and also my brother and such, my brother helps too, but I really got to acknowledge my wife. Well, I want to thank you again for your time and um, thank you for your passion and your energy um, and engagement around this, this problem. Thank you for having me. All right. And I hope we can stay in touch as well. Thank you for listening to Authentic Moments with Kiva. Diversity, equity, and inclusion is our way of being. We embrace and celebrate uniqueness. We are courageously curious, and we cultivate connections one person at a time.